culture is uniquely appreciative of lives that are lived out in great holiness. Simply put, we love the saints and what they can teach us about following Jesus in our daily lives, in good times and in bad. My guest today is author Kelly Guest, here to share about her favorite saintly moms. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Before we get started, remember to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, click the bell to join our channel. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host. Today I'm talking with Kelly Guest about her favorite saintly moms. Kelly Guest has been blessed with many opportunities to share God's love. She was a Dominican sister of St. Cecilia for five years, a middle school teacher, an education coordinator of a Catholic charities program for pregnant teens, and a director of religious education. She now serves as youth minister at her home parish and blogs at catholicmom.com and her own website, None29.com, and that's N-U-N number two, N-I-N-E dot com. That's in the show notes. Her most challenging and rewarding calling, though, is as a wife and mom to nine children. You can find her on Facebook as Kelly Guest, and that's exactly how it sounds, K-E-L-L-Y-G-U-E-S-T, and on Twitter and Instagram at none to nine. And again, that's in our show notes. Kelly, thanks so much for being with me today. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much for the blessing it is to be here. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's a blessing to have you, too. I can't wait to hear more. I know you're a real a longtime veteran homeschooling mom. And lots of our listeners are at every part of the spectrum. Some are just starting out. Some have been doing it just a short time or for many years. Um, but we do really draw from, I think, the saintliness just of the other moms that we know. I do agree with that. And and not only the ones around us, but the ones that are in heaven rooting us on. So Yeah. So what drew your heart to this project of writing about? You've got a book out and uh, and that's the title of our episode here is the title of Kelly's book, Favorite Saintly Moms. So uh tell us a little bit about how you started this work. Well, um my husband and I had three children in three years and one day. So um, maybe number one was a complete joy. Two, I still had two hands to hold on to them. Three totally knocked me for a loop. I, I did not have a third hand to hold on to. <laughs> uh, and um, I don't know. It, it just, I'm a very organized person and chaos entered my life with that third child. I no longer felt really in control. And um, I think Satan took advantage of those uh, thoughts that I was having. And um, I, I, I felt like I wasn't doing this right. Um, not a good mommy. <laughs> and um, as my uh, handle suggests, um, at nine to nine, I was a sister. I was with the Dominican sisters, as you said in the intro, for five years. And when I was in the convent, we had spiritual reading every day. And I loved the biographies of saints. I found a lot of encouragement and inspiration reading about the saints. So when I started feeling really down and feeling like I needed encouragement and inspiration, I decided to look up mommy saints, other saints who had been here, done this, and not only survived motherhood, but actually thrived. And so I um, started reading biographies like St. Zeli Martin and St. Gianna Mola and, um, and started finding the encouragement and the inspiration 
that I needed to to raise my children. And somewhere along the line, I decided, you know what, I really should start taking notes because there are probably other moms out there that are feeling like I was feeling. And they could also find that same inspiration and encouragement from these mommies. So, um, yeah, it is probably about 10 years that I was reading and taking notes on other mom saints. I was surprised to find so many uh, and delighted to find so many. Uh, so uh, I thought, well, maybe one day God will grant me the, um, grant my wish to write a saint book of just moms. And after the kids are grown and life settled down and I'm not homeschooling anymore, um, but God has his own timing, right? So I was down to just four that I was homeschooling when an email came to me saying, our Sunday visitor is looking for new book ideas. If you have any, here's the email. And I'm like, really, Lord, is, is now the time? I mean, I know one one of my sons, I homeschool only to high school, then I send them to the high school. So I, I was losing one. So I was going to be down to four. And I had twins, so I was like, well, that's really just like having just three. Can I possibly write a book while homeschooling three children? I don't really know, but I'll trust in the Lord. I'll send out the email. If it's right, he'll give me the grace to do it. Um, and if not, if they come back in or just even ignore the email, that's fine too. It'll happen later if it's God's will. Um, but they they sent back an email with an enthusiastic, yes, 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 it's a great idea. And so now I was like, okay, Lord, now we got to find time to write it. <laughs> so, so that's how it came about. Just my own, I was feeling discouraged and I had to look for other uh, mommies that had been there and, and to show me, because I knew I was called to be a saint. So show me how to do this because right now I'm not feeling very holy. Yeah, and and we all have loads of those moments, too. I just want to send my heart out to anyone listening who's feeling discouraged right now, because you mentioned Satan. The enemy does get in our heads. He's called the accuser for a reason, and he likes to take our ordinary struggles and conflate them with total failure. You know, he he can really be shouting in our ears or whispering in that that really— um, disturbing way that can get us down on ourselves. And that takes us kind of out of the game. It, it sidelines our joy, it sidelines our confidence in God to take our little incomplete acts of love and complete them, or our unfinished works and take them to completion. So, um, you know, just having that confidence that, that God makes it all good. We were kind of talking about that right before the show, Kelly, about how we can really trust, like even in this conversation, that God will draw out what He wants this this listener in this moment to hear. Absolutely. Uh, it is about, about trusting God. And that's something that I found very much uh, a prevalent theme among all the moms that I read. It's just um, they, they had trust that God would take care, you know, especially the, um, the saintly moms who were martyrs, who were called martyrdom. What, what trust that takes because they're leaving behind children. Or even St. Zelie Martin, who was suffering from breast cancer and prayed fervently, even going to Lourdes for a cure and was not granted. And so her resignation and just trusting that God would take care of those children, um, find a way to provide for them. And, and they were. I mean, the children were. And, and, and many of them, like in the case of St. Zelie Martin, grew up to become saints themselves. So the power of mom from heaven, even. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a definite prevalent um I guess, virtue that these mommy saints have is that uh, they trust God to fill in where they're lacking, maybe, because they are, that's the beautiful thing. They, they are 
ordinary women who had struggles too. And so at some point they just have to turn to Jesus and say, I trust in you. Mm. Amen. And isn't that the whole ball of wax? Like, you know, we can be little Davids in front of Goliath. Sometimes our day really does feel like a whole Philistine army set against us. And we really have to just pick up our little stones and say this battle is the Lord's. And and also, I, I can remember so many times asking Our Lady to help me mother this child as she would, or and still feeling inadequate, but just having to struggle with that trust. Um, what are some of your favorite mom saints that you've written about that have particularly touched your heart? Tell us about those. Well, I mean, of course, number one has got to be the Queen Mary, you know, and I guess she actually was the hardest one to write about because so many wonderful things have been written about Blessed Mother Mary. What what can I possibly add? But the thing that I love about her and the thing that I ended up writing about is the fact that because Our Lady has done all these mundane chores first for love of Jesus and her family, what I do is sanctified. So I'm forever grateful to her because now my making beds and my making lunches and preparing meals and changing dirty diapers, all that is holy. Why? Because if I do it like Mary, for love of Jesus and for love of my family, they are, they had the power to sanctify me. And so for that reason, Our Lady will always be my favorite and um, number one um, on my list. But I learned so many other really um, wonderful women who became saints. And I guess uh, I find myself often praying to um, Blessed Mariana Benaki. Um, I have a son who just got engaged. And so Blessed Mariana was a patron saint of mother-in-law. She is the patron saint of mother-in-law's. Um, Polish woman who lived during World War II. Uh, her husband died. She had two children, a daughter who married and moved out to the city, uh, and a son who had just recently gotten married and had a small farm himself. Um, Mariana, after her husband died, could not maintain her family home and farm any longer. So Stanislaus, her son, had to tell his newly wedded wife, Anna, mom's coming to live with us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, and, and she was a wonderful mother-in-law. She helped around the house. She helped on the farm, never intruding, never critical. Um, when um, Anna and Stanislaus had the first child, she just doted on that daughter, uh, granddaughter, and she um, helped in the raising of her in the faith, um, singing little lullabies to her, and was just a great big help around the home. Um, she, she ends up becoming a martyr herself when the Nazis take over Poland and uh, they had a policy whenever the resistance killed one soldier, 10 people would have to die in another place. And so fortunately, um, the resistance um, had killed a soldier and they just randomly went to homes and pulled out people. They needed 10. They went to the home of Stanislaus and were grabbing Stanislaus and his wife um, to count among those who would be executed. And Mariana came and stood between her daughter-in-law and the soldiers. And um, at this time, Anna was pregnant with her second child, and she pleaded to the soldiers, can't you see she's, she's pregnant? 
And, and here's this toddler crying at her mother's side. Um, take me instead. You know, if you take her, you're taking two. So take me. And so the soldiers, I guess they didn't really care. They grabbed Mariana. Um, and she had her rosary in her apron pocket. And she continued to pray that to the day where they executed both her and her, um, her son. Um, and um, Eugenia, who was the daughter, the toddler at the time, um, took care of her mom until she died in her later 90s. Um, but she said, my mom would often say, I was given life twice, once by my mother and once by my mother-in-law. Now, I don't think God's going to call on me to die for my daughter-in-law. But I want to be the type of mother-in-law who will um, be a help to my daughter-in-law and an encouragement to my daughter-in-law and who would be willing to die in little ways for her. So um, so because of the situation and where I am in my life right now, she really spoke to me as to how to be a good mom-in-law. But when it comes to more... Uh, what I was going through at that time uh, when I was raising and, and knee deep in, uh, in children and toddlers, um, St. Gladys was one of my favorites um, because St. Gladys actually was raised a Christian. And um, this is early on. This is, I think, something like the sixth century. And she was a Welsh princess. Um, there are a lot of like tribal kingdoms around the neighboring kingdom, the, the king there, King Wallace. He was not a Christian. He was a pagan, but he loved her. I mean, at least he was fell in love with her beauty, right? And went and asked dad to marry his daughter, to which her father said, absolutely not. You're not a Christian. <laughs> You're a barbarian. Um, no. So Wallace went home, got 300 soldiers, went and kidnapped Gladys. <laughs> <laughs> so, and Gladys went along with it. She kind of thought, this is exciting. I love this lifestyle. It's wild and crazy. And she forgot her Christian roots. And she and her husband, Wallace, um, became kind of like a pre-Bonnie and Clyde. They went around looting and stealing. And one day they stole the only cow of a, of a hermit monk, um, his sole source of nutrition besides what he could grow. I mean, it provided milk for him. So the ten tenacious little monk went after him. And uh, caught up with them, but unfortunately, they had already slaughtered his cow. So, in reparation, and I guess that Catholic guilt thing was still with Gladys. <laughs> so, <laughs> she offers her firstborn. And I think now we're like, oh my goodness, what? But back then, it wasn't uncommon. You know, there's no public schools, and wealthy people often would send their children to monasteries to be educated. And so, the monks saw an opportunity to um, bring up their son correctly. And so he took the child home with him and raised their son. And of course, you know, she's a mom. She misses her son. So she goes and visits. Uh, I think what I love about her is that she learns from her son. Oh. She ends up coming back into the faith because of the conversation she was having with her son. And I think as a parent, we have to be humble enough to be able to learn from our children because as much as we teach them, Oh my goodness, they teach us too. And so <laughs> I think to look forward to those opportunities and also be humbled when they correct you because sometimes our children will correct us when they see us doing something wrong. And praise God for that because that means we're doing something right. We raised them well. So I think that's why St. Gladys was such a, an attraction to me to remind me it's okay to be humble enough to be corrected by your children. 
Boy, these are both just such extraordinary stories. The, the mother-in-law, you had me in tears. I was sitting here like, oh gosh, I, she better keep talking because I'm not going to be able to speak. And then in a, in a funny way, like there's the happy and the sad, but there's also almost the hilariously funny about her, um, about Agnes. Is it, I'm sorry, is it Black, Agnes? St. Gladys. Gladys, sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, St. Gladys. Um, pretty girl swept away by the bad boy. Mm -hmm. And here she is learning from her little boy after stealing a cow. Yeah. Um, just delightful. I remember my daughter correcting me sometimes when she was little, because to this day, she has a razor sharp, logical mind. And it, with my best of intentions, I would sometimes say something to her that would just miss perfectly logical by a fraction. And she would point it out to me and she really kept me on my toes. <laughs> Absolutely. My son just corrected me the other day. So, you know, I was, he saw me complaining or heard me complaining and uh, called me out on it. So I had to, and I was doing it in front of other children too. So I had to kind of gather them all together and apologize and say he was right. You know, he was right. Wow. That's amazing. And what a lesson to your son that, that you have the humility and the willingness to be completely honest about that, you know, as, to the best of your ability. Um, and I love that this kind of contrast between the two, the saintly mother-in-law and the, the the pretty princess who runs off, because we can think of saints in two ways that I think can be um, stumbling blocks for us. One is we can think it was too easy for them, that they were just naturally holy, and that there was no struggle there and no faults and no confessing of sins. And on the other hand, we can think, oh gosh, you know, maybe they carried crosses that are a little frightening to us. Uh, you know, even in our minds, a little too willingly, you know, we can think it's too hard. Um, how do we reconcile ourselves to wanting to be holy? You know, um, just uh, what what helps us to know their actual lives? What helps you to say, okay, yeah, I, I can be a saint too? I think it's recognizing that God gives them the grace in that moment to handle whatever he puts before them. So. Even in the case of the great martyrs, um, they couldn't have done that if they weren't faithful in the little things, in the in the little dying to self. And so accepting those graces, even in those little moments, um, helped them to be able to say yes in the bigger things. And so I, I think that was a big lesson for me, was to know that all I need to do is just take this next step, Lord. And you'll give me the graces for the next step because you say, thy word is a lamp to my feet. And a lamp to my feet means simply all I can see is the next step. And, and God is like, yes, that's all I'm giving you the graces for right now is the next step. So just take the next step and then I'll move the lamp and you'll see the next step, <laughs> you know? And I think that's the way a lot of these saints were. They, they, we can see their big picture, but they weren't. They were living those day to day moments with God's grace. And then God sometimes called them to extraordinary things. And they were able to do those extraordinary things because they had been faithful all along in the struggle um, to to be followers of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I and I just want to interject just an opinion, which is that yes, they were faithful in those little things. Those were the building blocks of their sanctity. Those little yeses that enabled them to make the bigger yeses. But I'm sure there were moments when they failed along the way too. I don't want to, you know, 
paint such a rosy picture that we don't realize they were flesh and blood and struggled. Um, but you're right. Those little yeses are so important. Just that, like, like moms do every day, holding back the harsh word, maybe for a change, maybe getting better after their last confession and being a little more patient. Those little yeses, those fiats, our spiritual building blocks, they enable us to see more, experience more of God's presence and His encouragement. As hard as they are, those little deserts are rich with God's presence. Um, but some of the experiences of our motherhood can make us feel like we're just not cut out for sainthood. Can you say a little bit about that, Callie? Yeah, absolutely. And and, and to go to your point a little bit, um, you know, Venerable Margaret Bosco, because not all of them are saints, canonized saints yet. They're all on their way. So um, John Bosco's mom is a venerable. And um, talking about like frustrations, she she married a widow who had a son. They have two sons. And then her husband dies. And so she's left to raise three boys, which must have been a challenge. I have boys. Yeah. <laughs> That's a challenge <laughs> and exhausting. <laughs> yeah. And so she's finally got them to be grown men. John is um, a priest and the other two sons have families and she can enjoy the fruits of motherhood when John gets sick and has to come home. And before he goes back into the city to continue his ministry among orphaned and poor boys, he asks for his mom's help. He wants to start this oratory and knows that these boys need a mother figure. And so at a time when she should be able to sit back and relax and enjoy the fruits of her labor, John is asking her to come in the midst of raising all these boys again. <laughs> and so she has to pray about it. And, and she doesn't really want to, but knows that it's God's will. And so she, she does indeed go with him into the city. And there comes a time after a while where I am sure that it is loud at the oratory. Um, the boys are messy. Uh, she, she's got to teach them how to clean up after themselves, clean themselves, you know. And she just really wants to tell John and sits down and talks with him. I, I want to go back home to the country. You know, I, I've done what I can here. I'm tired and I want to go home. And so John is listening to her and nodding and all that. And when she finishes, he kind of just looks up onto the wall and her eyes follow his eyes, and he's looking up at the crucifix. And she looks back <laughs> at him, and he says, okay, I'll stay. And so she ends up staying with him until, until the very final illness of her life, when finally she gets to go back home to the, the country. She does not recover from her illness. But, but that sense of um, exhaustion, and I just want to relax, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and so... And, and she had every right. And in all honesty, after that, John realized that that's really important. He needed to give his mom some time back home to relax. And so it's kind of funny, though, because they would take field trips. But it would just be like, you know, two or three of the boys that really did something really well, like as a reward. And so John and Margaret would take a couple boys to the country and they would enjoy the weekend in the country. But he did realize that I need to give my mom a break every once in a while, get her away from here for a while. So after that conversation, things did change and he did recognize his mother's needs. So, but she also would return after the weekend with him back to the oratory. So yeah, we just have to accept our weaknesses and um, offer those to our Lord too. And let them know I'm tired and I'm exhausted. And if you're going to ask me to do this, I'm, I need a little more help. You know? And it's okay sometimes to have that time out, that mommy time out. 
Yeah, absolutely fascinating dynamic all around because he learned from her and she learned from him. And I'm sure they were both learning from the children. But I love that he said, I can't do this alone. I need my mom. You know, that's kind of touching too. Um, yeah, so so give us some other just insights into what's what about these lives, reading about these lives can can give us hope. I think one of the most important things that I learned because I mean I was coming out of the convent where we had prayers four times a day and morning mass every day and spiritual reading every day and I loved all of that and I continued that for a good bit but motherhood threw that all away for me <laughs> and um, I was struggling just to find time to sit quietly with with our Lord. And I think I even would get kind of mad because I'm, I'm not up real early. I'm not a morning person. But my matter of fact, when I left the convent, I told the Lord, I don't want to wake up five o'clock in the morning anymore unless I'm going to the beach. Okay. <laughs> you know, like That's just a little bit much for me. Um, I can stay up to five, probably easier than get up at, at five. But uh, I, with the, with the kids waking up early, because you know, our Lord has a way of laughing at you at that. So what does he do? Give me early risers. Um, and being exhausted by the time they went to bed, I wasn't, I mean, not only was I not getting to mass every day because, you know, it's hard to get a mass when you have two or three children, you know, baby, two toddlers, that, that's almost impossible. Um, I was struggling just to find time in prayer. And something that I saw with these women is it's necessary. Make the time. Don't wait and find it, you know? So you know, even if it was nap time, you know, putting the kids in for a nap, and I, what I, my first instinct is go pick up all the books that they've taken off the shelf, put all the toys away and vacuum the floor and get all these chores done in the precious few moments that I have while I'm sleeping. I had to deny that um, urge and just sit on a mommy time out with Jesus, you know, and gather myself and pray. And so I guess that's the biggest encouragement I would have for other moms is make time for prayer whenever you can. I mean, if you can get up early and do it, that's probably one of the most blessed times to do it um, because it starts your day off on the right note kind of thing. But if you can't, that's okay too. Um, if you're too tired in the evening uh, to pray, then make time in the afternoon. Even if your kids aren't quite nappers yet, stick them in the room because there came a time where the older the boys got a little bit older and they didn't really nap, but that's fine. Sit in the room here pull out your favorite books. I'm shutting the door. You guys read, look at your pictures, you know, here's a coloring book and crayons, not on the wall on the paper, you know, <laughs> um, and, and I'm going to be downstairs. You need to give mommy a little bit of time too, you know, so mm -hmm. make time to spend with Jesus. You know, all these women, some of them, you know, some of them lived before the rosary. So they didn't necessarily say the rosary every day, but once the rosary was given to us through St. Dominic, and then you do see a lot of the women praying their rosaries every day, um, having a, a special devotion to Our Lady, whether there was a rosary in the church at that time or not. A lot of them had. So go to Our Lady and say, you, you, you've done this. Help me. Help me do it too. But um, prayer is, is a, big, a big necessity for moms. We need to make the time, even in the midst of raising little ones, to find time for Jesus. Because without Him and without Our Lady's guidance, it is a, a job that's really too difficult for us to do by ourselves. 
And what a powerful witness to our children, too, that we take that time, that it's a priority, that that we don't just talk about Jesus loves us and we're supposed to love Jesus. We actually take time to be with Him, to be in relationship, and, and to allow Him to pour into our exhausted souls. Yeah. So, um, let's just... Uh, Let's focus just on the mom vocation. You know, we're wives, we're moms, and that entails so much. Um, what, what are ways that we can go into our relationship with God more deeply through that that calling to to being wives and moms? Yeah, I think Blessed um, Anna Maria Taji was the biggest, um, the one that probably challenged me the most because of her loving um, disposition towards her husband um, that sometimes we, we can get resentful to our husbands, you know, um, and we tend to pick on them maybe. <laughs> At least I do. Um, and, and she, her husband was kind of a rough ruffian. I mean, he just, he loved her, doted on her, but had foul language, um, complained a lot himself, um, came home from work grumpy. Um, and she always uh, greeted him no matter what she was doing. She, she became quite well-known because she's a mystic. And, and people recognized her wisdom. She had the ability to read souls. She even had the ability to know what was coming, to prophesy. Um, and, and that's one reason why she's becoming really like, popular in the church today. You know, I, I hear her mentioned often. But that's not what drew me to her. I, I don't want any of those gifts. I don't want to be able to read souls. I don't want to be able to tell what's going to happen to Peter. Please, Lord, don't bless me with any of that. The gift that she had that I want is the one to be able to know when to correct her husband and how to correct him and if to correct him. Um, he even says about her, she had a way of correcting me without me even knowing it. She mm. was so gentle. And so when, when princes or prelates or priests would come to visit her, important people in her town, um, come to get her advice, her wisdom, or even her correction. Uh, when her husband came home from work, she left them. She excused herself and she tended to him. And when he was having a hard day, she listened to him. Even if he was using language that wasn't the most appropriate, she didn't correct him in that moment because she understood he was upset, right? She would hear the things that he did right and praise those things, you know. And so she, I think for me, she uh, challenged me to do the same thing, to stop what I'm doing when my husband's coming home, even if it's just for a moment, to say hi, you know, give him a hug. How was your day? And to stop lugging up and listen. Uh, and a lot of times my husband doesn't share a whole lot, you know. He'll just like, it was good. <laughs> it was like wonderful. But, you know, just that, to have that wisdom to know how to best support him. Because a lot of times it becomes all about our kids, right? I mean, our world starts around uh, being child-centered, and we forget the husband sometimes. And so I, I know I, I did. You know, I know that he um, felt neglected in the beginning because I was so lost with all these children. You know, trying to to raise them and how to best do that. That I forgot sometimes to take time to be a couple. And so she reminds me that how important that is, that she even left the presence of kings and princesses and, and bishops 
to go be with her husband every day when he got home. So um, wow. I, I know that didn't quite answer the your- <laughs> no, no, that's actually quite beautiful because it, it accentuates something that in the midst of homeschooling and raising kids and all of our difficulties, you know, special needs kids or somebody's sick or um, husband loses his job or whatever that might be, the world can be beating our husbands down pretty badly out there. And, um, and so to have a place to come home where somebody is delighted to see them makes them a priority. You know, um, I remember moving out to the suburbs from the city many years ago, and I, and just because of this nursery school our little girl was in, um, the moms that I was meeting were the opposite of that. You know, it was like a sport to be constantly running down their husbands. It was a while before I met good Catholic friends and people who loved their husbands in a very devoted way. Um, but I remember how painful that was to be you know, surrounded by people that way. And I, and I realize what a witness it is to the children not to run our husbands down, not to be critical, to be there for him. Um, and as you said, to, she noticed what he did right. She called out the best in him. She recognized those things. It's very easy for us to become very blinded to the good in each other and be over-focused on faults. And they take on a life of their own and they take over the relationship. It's like, it's like a monster in the room. Yeah, so, so powerful. Um, okay, so take us out with anything, you know, um, trust the Holy Spirit with this. What's what's one last thought you'd like to leave us with? And everybody, while Kelly's thinking for a moment, and give her a couple of seconds, just want to remind you that Favorite Saintly Moms is a book that can be a beautiful gift to yourself and to another favorite saintly mom in your life. Uh, somebody that you'd like to bless with these stories of encouragement, these stories of real human women living their lives in, in the way that God called them. What would you like to leave us with, Kelly? I think mostly just the encouragement that I got from these, these saints um, to, 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 First of all, love yourself because um, our Lord loves you, right? He gave you these children because he knows that you're the best mom for them. And so embrace that. Um, I think when we mess up to, to say sorry, you know, whether it be to our children, our husband, and always to our Lord, and know that that is enough to just say sorry and to receive that forgiveness. Um, I had another great lesson from St. Gladys that I learned. Um, and to just continue on in the struggle because that is what's pleasing to our Lord. And that's where we show our love, that when we continue to, to struggle on. Um, and to accept, as I said earlier, in the moment, whatever grace God has given us, um, to, to take that next step. And to remember to stop and, and be refilled when we need it. And, and, and if that means a date night, by goodness sake, go find a, a babysitter and go out um, either with friends or even better, go out with your husband um, and make time to be a couple, you know, not mom and dad at that moment. So, um, yeah, I, I just, these these saintly moms that I got to meet while reading about them, they're just such an inspiration because they're not the plaster Paris uh, saints statues that are on my 
stressor over there. They, they were real women who have a lot of the same qualities that I have. Um, they have problems like I have, and they have the desire to love God that I have. And so if they did it, I can too, because our Lord has called me to it. And so rise up, you know, and, and try our best to become the saints that God has called us. And, th- and that's the thing is, we got to be the saints that God's called us to be. I'm not going to be another Blessed Mother or St. Anne or even Anna, Mariana Bonacci. I'm not going to be them. I'm going to be the saint that God's called me to be. And so I struggle on. Yeah, I have to say, though, the thing that encourages me most about the lives of the saints is that they all upheld the truth of Jesus Christ as true God and true man, and they lived sacramental lives to the best of their ability, and they served in whatever way they felt called. But they were each unique and unrepeatable, just as we are. They had paths that were just their paths, and it's just as you said, we can learn so much from their lives and be inspired by them. To, to start to discern, as you said, the Lord is the lamp unto my feet, and, and to take that next little step and, and practice trust. Yeah, that's the big thing. Just trust that God is going to do with you what He needs you to do if you allow Him to do it. And so just keep going. And, and it is a struggle, but just struggle on because our Lord loves seeing your efforts. Amen. And I feel like we also don't know because God is so generous and blesses and magnifies our efforts and and almost turns His eyes away from our sins, except where they're keeping us from Him, right? Or our little failings, our little mistakes. Of course, we want to confess those and get them cleaned out and out of the way so we can be stronger spiritually. But He's so merciful and gentle. Like you said, He does really appreciate our even our smallest efforts to grow in virtue and, and to do our to do our vocations well. Uh, Kelly, I can't thank you enough. This has been kind of a respite, almost like a little mini retreat, just hanging out with you for a little while. Uh, Thank you so much for making the time in your busy day. Thank you so much for having me. It really was a blessing to meet you in person and to be able to speak with you today. I, I really enjoy being able to share the stories of these women. So thank you for that opportunity. Oh, it's my joy. Everybody, look for Kelly on Facebook, Kelly Guest, G-U-E-S-T, and find her on Twitter and Instagram as at nun29. That's in the show notes. Her website is also nun29.com, and the book is favorite. Oh, sorry, I'm going to say it wrong. My favorite <laughs> saintly moms. I said that correctly. All right, everybody, thank you for being with us. Enjoy the rest of your day, but don't go away just yet because we have our short feature coming right up. Hi, I'm author AJ Catapan. Welcome to Books and Blessings, a place where I get to share with you books for Catholic teens and tweens. Today's selection is a young adult historical novel based loosely on the only approved Marian apparition in the U.S. The book is called The Woman in the Trees and is written by Theone Bell. In The Woman in the Trees, we follow the story of Slaney Lafont. Slaney is a Belgian immigrant who left her homeland with her sisters and parents when she was about five years old. The family heads to Wisconsin, where they hear there is plenty of cheap land to be purchased and worked. 
While Slaney's mom was the one pushing the family to immigrate to the United States, a tragedy shortly after they arrive causes her mother's heart to harden. From then on, Mrs. LaFont completely loses her Catholic faith, and it seems like nothing Slaney does can please her mother. The family eventually settles in a heavily wooded area outside the town of Green Bay, Wisconsin, with other Belgian immigrants. One day, a strange woman appears at the door, offering to teach the children about the faith and help with chores around the home. Slaney's mom refuses to let her children be catechized and turns the woman away. Slaney learns that the woman is Adele, and she claims to have seen the Virgin Mary in the woods and that Mary instructed her to catechize the children. Although Slaney's mom won't allow Adele to teach her, she does allow Slaney to visit her friend Marie, who is being catechized by Adele. Slaney slowly learns more about Adele, her visions, and the faith. The Woman in the Trees is probably best suited for teens and older readers. There are many characters mentioned in the book, as the local families all have many children. Also, the book does a fair amount of time hopping that may cause confusion for younger readers. For example, Chapter 1 takes place in 1871, the year of the Great Fire in Peshtigo, Wisconsin. At this point, Slaney is a grown woman with a husband and children. Chapters 2 and 3 jump back 12 years, and Chapter 5 jumps back 18 years to when Slaney was a little girl in Belgium. From there on, the story proceeds in mostly a chronological order with a few flashbacks here and there. Despite the time hopping, this book will appeal to anyone interested in learning more about Our Lady of Good Help and the miraculous events related to the fire of 1871. To see more book suggestions, visit my website at ajcatapan.com. There, you can learn more about my middle grade mystery, Seven Riddles to Nowhere, and my new book for educators, catechists, and homeschooling parents called Sweet Jesus Is It June Yet? Ten Ways the Gospels Can Help You Combat, Teach Your Burnout, and Rediscover Your Passion for Teaching. Thanks for joining me on Books and Blessings. Be sure to find me online on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or on my website, ajcatapan.com. Until next time, happy reading. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you and thank you for joining us.